This week's podcast brought to you by Chicken Fights. Our 12-year-old son had a friend over and they were swimming and they would be in the water for a while and it was cold and then they would get out and it was like a dare. They would lay down on the hot pool decking and see who could lay there the longest without getting uncomfortable and getting up. And it just made me wish grown up still did that kind of thing because I would love it if we had some adult friends over and after swimming they got out of the pool and just dared one another to lay down on the hot pool decking and see who could um, last the longest. Uh, I miss those 12-year-old days. I want to ask you if you find this <clears throat> a little bit odd. So I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago I was in Boston. We had two of our kids playing in basketball tournaments out that way, and I was staying um, with our son in a hotel, and it had an indoor pool. And it was a the weather that weekend was awful. It was rainy and cold. Anyway, our our twelve year old son and some of his seventh grade teammates were in the hotel pool, and um, you had to like sign up to use the pool because of COVID and whatever. So indoor pool and the boys decide they're going to have some chicken fights. So one, you know, one boy gets on another boy's shoulders. So they're having their little chicken fights. Everybody's fine. There are some parents like sitting up on the pool deck, just keeping an eye on the kids. And at one point there were two moms whose sons were not at the pool. Um, and they weren't moms of our team. That makes sense. So two strange, two strangers, women, moms. And this is an indoor pool. So this is an not, indoor pool. They're not sunbathing. No, no, no. Not only do they get in the pool, they, one of them, gets on the other one's shoulders, and like to participate in the seventh grade boys' chicken fights. It was so like odd and weird that one of the moms of a of our team and the boy in the pool took some video of it because she's like, there's no way anyone's going to believe when I tell them the story. So you have two moms, one on the other's shoulders in the pool with seventh grade boys challenging them to a chicken fight. I thought for sure you were going to say that the two women complained to management that, or to another parent, that the boys were fighting in the pool. No. I love the fact that they... Well, they, first of all, they... um, First of all, they crashed the party because, like, you had to reserve the pool for, you know, so say we reserved it from 8 to 9 p.m. or 9 to 10, whatever it was. So they crashed the party and then joined the fight. But, yeah, I suppose that's a lot better than complaining to management that uh, that the kids were fighting in the pool. So there was a uh, – it was it was like one of those who would win a fight between a shark and a whale. It was, this was chicken versus cougar. <laughs> And and it, the the boys, um, to their credit, like once the women like joined, they scurried the other way. Of they course. wanted no part of the. They recoiled grown in horror. Adult moms, uh, ready to chicken fight. We had to pause the recording during the chicken fight anecdote because some kids came in to the basement and then went right back out of the basement because, as of about an hour ago, all four kids are now out of school. They are. And already that our day is starting with, what can we do today? Well, it started on day one, the first morning after school got out with, there's nothing to do. Yeah. 
that was even even our one of our high schoolers said that to me yesterday. As soon as she came down after waking up, sleep slept in, woke up, came down, said, "I'm bored," and so our response to that has been, "Get a job." <laughs> so fortunately, there are lots and lots of jobs to be gotten. So uh, hopefully, hers will be gotten in the very near future. It's a timeless circle of life interaction. Parents, kids telling their parents there's, they're bored and there's nothing to do, and parents telling their kids to get a job. Yeah. You say you're not going to become your parents, and you inevitably do. Well, in that way, I don't mind it. Are you your parents in other ways? I'm sure I am, but in, in, in ways that I mind, but not I don't mind that way. In, in what ways do you mind being your parents? I don't know. You know, whenever sometimes something comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, gosh, it used to drive me nuts when my mom said that. That's never like a, yay, I'm glad it's now me saying that. It's sort of a... What are some of those things? What is one of those things? I, you, you clearly have one on the top of no, your I mind. No, I don't. I, I really don't. I don't know. I don't know. I know they happen. I don't have one specifically that I'm thinking of. Do you try on a new outfit, look in the mirror, and give yourself a... And do the click? Click, click sound, yeah. No, I don't do that. My mom did that, and my sister and I laughed about it. But you know what? One of our kids actually does that. One of our daughters. And she wasn't old enough when my mom passed away to have ever seen that or remembered it. But she does. When she tries something on, puts her hands in her pockets exactly the same way that my mom used to, and kind of turns her head and makes that clicking sound. And it's unbelievable because, like I said, it's that one's not a learned behavior. She just that got so passed right it, through the genes. It skips a generation, and it skips most of the following generation, except for except one. Yeah, except for the one. Well, we've covered clicking and chicken. <laughs> what else do we got this week? Well, a, a different basketball tournament it was this past weekend and i brought our son and we had an hour between basketball games he was hungry so we drove down the street and we got in this long line at the dunkin donuts drive through and we were sitting there for a while and we realized that the only time the line moved was when somebody pulled out of the line probably in frustration that the line wasn't moving so we we had time so we pulled out of the line i parked and i went in and there was only one other person, one one other customer inside Dunkin' Donuts. They, they look at you like you're a pervert or, or a, a, well, a robber. Well, no, not on this day. So I went I went to the front, and there were two high school girls, high school-aged girls working, and then a, I would say like a middle-aged woman. And the middle-aged woman and one of the high school girls was frantic because they hadn't realized that the battery in their headsets had died. So they didn't know that there were like this line of cars at the drive-thru and then they got their headsets to work and like every person who then talked to them had attitude was rude was angry so when I got up to the front I just ordered a couple of things um you know they were frazzled and um but we got our stuff and and as I went back to the car I was thinking first of all that long long line of cars I was the only one who then went inside. Like the people who pulled out of line drove somewhere else. It was a pleasant day. People don't it wasn't rainy. It wasn't hot. It wasn't cold. It was pleasant to get out of the car. There, and there's plenty of parking spaces. It wasn't a difficult parking lot to navigate. Nobody else was willing to park, get out of their car, go inside, and have face-to-face contact. Maybe that's it. Maybe it was a COVID thing. I don't know. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, 
but I, I, I was, I was interested in how few people were willing to leave their automobile for their coffee, but they were sure angry about not, because there was even a woman after me who went up again to like a 16 or 17 year old kid and said, um, I got the wrong coffee. If you have the ingredients, I'm hoping that I can get one made correctly. And I'm like, you don't need to be that rude. You can just say like, this isn't exactly what I ordered or whatever. Because people, when they're in their cars, that's one order of magnitude removed from the person, right? Yes. Order of magnitude is the wrong phrase, I'm sure, but it sounds good. It's like a a buffer zone. Right. And then if you're talking to a person who's in a drive-thru window, that's a second buffer zone. You're now double buffered, right? You are, yes. And because you're both in masks, that's probably a a buffer cubed. So people feel like that's why road rage exists. That's why people can, you know, honk their horn or flip somebody off because you're separated by two cars. And and I think part of the reason I was sensitive to it, too, is for the exact reason we were just talking about. Like, our 16-year-old is going to be getting a job soon. And screwing up your order. Uh, Yeah, without question. And she said to me, she's like, I don't really want to be in the food industry because I don't want people yelling at me. And I'm thinking... When I was a kid and thinking about jobs and getting jobs, whatever, not once did it enter my brain that I had a fear of someone yelling at me. Like, if you messed up an order, you would fix it. I never, did people yell at strangers less than? Not. <laughs> or, or is it just like, or she just has maybe an irrational fear? Because I've never been in a Starbucks or where some people are dripping with attitude, but I've but never seen, been in a place like that where they actually yell at You've seen the viral social media videos of people yelling at workers at Costco or something because they don't want to wear a mask or whatever. So yeah, that that's probably where true. she gets it. I thought you were going to say that you walked into Duncan and there was a middle-aged woman and a high school girl chicken fighting. <laughs> the high school girl was on the middle-aged woman's shoulders? No, vice versa. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to take my order so that we could be eye to eye. And one more drive-through experience. I'm not proud of the <clears throat> amount of drive-throughs I've been through <laughs> in the last week, but this is what tends to happen, especially like when you're driving your kid to this event and that's that sporting event. Anyways, our son wanted McDonald's, so we got him McDonald's, and uh, he likes. He's graduated to the Big Mac, and um, this is my question to you about McDonald's. Because even when I was a kid, one of the things I really liked about a McDonald's hamburger was the tiny little onions, like right. tiny little square onions. Sure. Do we believe those are actually onions? No. You can't find a tiny little square onion anywhere else. If I had an onion and a knife, I couldn't, well, I couldn't create that myself. How do you get what machine processes onions? I'm sure it's proprietary to McDonald's, and I'm sure all of the onions are or, you know, on some McDonald's onion farm somewhere. But it needs the onion or the or the soggy pickle or the sesame seeds on the sesame seed bun with the two all-beef patties to give it some kind of crunch or texture other than mush. Because as our friend Rick Tellender once pointed out to me, the McDonald's menu was designed, at least in Rick's telling, to be that anything on it could be eaten by somebody who doesn't have teeth. Which is true. But my bigger point is this. Everything else on the Big Mac, or I think everything else on their menu, you can purchase like 
the separate ingredient somewhere. You can purchase sesame seed buns. You can purchase little pickles. You can purchase like almost everything they have except for... Even the special mm-hmm. sauce, as they say in a commercial yeah, for... Thousand Island dressing. Yeah. You can purchase the little tiny, tiny onions. I've never seen those anywhere else. I've, like I said, I've never seen even like a, like a vegetable slicing device that would get you onions like that. Maybe like in a cheese grater, but I don't even think that would work. That's the part that fascinates me. How do they turn an, an onion that you grow from the, the God's green earth into what they put on the sandwich. And, and that being said, I still really like them. I like the crunch and I like the flavor when I, when I very, very rarely have a McDonald's burger. But I want to know how you get from the onion to that. From the onion to the, uh, to the I mean, decimated, almost completely obliterated onion. Are, yeah. they, are they cubicle? Have you examined one? They're, no, they're like square. They're re- yeah, I guess cubicle. Maybe we should ask our daughter to get a job at a McDonald's long enough, just so, just long enough. Well, they're not so sh- that she can tell us that they do. No. They come in a bag. They come. They come, they come, they come in, in a. They, they come forklifted into onto the loading dock at, behind McDonald's is a fifty-five gallon drum of those diced onions. Not even okay. diced because they're and like the world's tiniest. It was the same McDonald's that we got that that the person, when I asked them one time, like, how long is it going to take just because I I needed to tell somebody when we were going to meet them? And they said, I don't know. This person dripping with attitude. I don't know. We drop our meat fresh here. So I guess if they're dropping their meat fresh, you assemble the stuff afterwards. I guarantee you. So it must be like in some sort of a trough, a trough of onions that they... Do you think? Do you think that they pick them up with their hands and sprinkle them there, on? There's, do there's a, How do you think they get them on there? There's a 100% certainty, 100% that somebody listening right now has worked at McDonald's. Oh, and can tell us. Uh, of course. Okay. Well, I would like that person to I can't send believe- an email to at ballandchainpod, or not at, but ballandchainpod at gmail.com or to our Twitter at ballandchainpod and tell me what the heck is going on and, with and, the McDonald's And onions. if you didn't work at McDonald's, if you worked at any other fast food joint, Tell us. But it's different because Burger us, King has tell actual us, onions. I'm not I'm talking about onions. I'm telling tell us, us tell us the the behind the scenes secrets, the the uh, fast food confidential mm. that we need to know. We're, we're here for not that. in ways that you desecrated our food. We still have to eat that stuff. But you know, the way customers behaved and, and how you prepped the the Whopper Junior. You and I had an interesting interaction the other day. I thought it was interesting. With each other? Yes. I thought it was interesting. I, anyway. I don't recall having an interesting interaction. Well, you didn't think it week. was interesting, but I did. I don't recall having interaction this week, but go it ahead. Was, it was a minor interaction. So you went to our local wonderful um, toy store, Neckers. We've yes. talked about Neckers in ah, Simsbury. It's yes. delightful. And why don't you tell what happened while you were at Neckers? Well, the reason I was at Neckers is uh, our youngest and I were playing tennis. We watched the French Open women's final. She got into it. I got into it. She asked if we could play tennis in the driveway, and then we went up to the high school and played tennis on the courts there. And while we were playing, we got a, a call, a voicemail from your dad saying he was going away for the weekend and left his garage door up and could we go over to his place and put the garage door down. So we did. The garage door was already down. I would have had no way of putting it down. I realized because you can't you go in the garage and hit the button it goes down then you got to run out the door and it's going to go back up having said that 
uh, we were close enough to Necker's that we decided to swing by there. Well, we, our youngest, asked if we could swing by there, and we did. And while I was there, the major domo of Necker's. The major domo? The major domo, yes. Okay. Of Necker's. I, I couldn't think of a something that rhymed with Necker's or whatever. But okay. anyway, uh, the the proprietress, is that better, Rebecca? Sure. Okay. A lovely woman who's been there. Right. And, and uh, the, the store's been in her family for years. Anyway, the major Approached domo. Approached me, said, excuse me, and I assumed that I had uh, had uh, uh, been too rough with the merchandise or something. And uh, she said, I believe these are yours, and fanned out like a poker player where cards in her hand and they were among other things my insurance card and two gift cards that um, she said another customer she said the last time well she said the last time Rebecca was here but it must have been when I was there because they were from my wallet yeah a customer found these in the parking lot and, and turned them in and that was weeks earlier because I haven't had my insurance card in ages I know I hadn't had it when I needed to get my vaccines and all that so so you came so anyway. home and you told me this story that you had been at the toy store and the major domo had brought out your um, insurance card and two gift cards that had fallen out in the parking lot. And then you told me that you had also found in your car your credit card. Yeah, that had been missing for, for some that time. That had been missing for a while. And my, what I thought was a completely valid and appropriate question follow-up question to you was do you think you should get a new wallet and your response kind of terse was why yeah it, the system is working as it's intended I mean, to work you you were legit annoyed that i asked you do you think you should get a new wallet?" i didn't say it with any attitude or anything i said it like out of concern do you think you should get a new wallet why? We're sitting in the kitchen. I'm like, is this for real? You just told me that the toy store majordomo brought stuff out that had fallen out of your wallet and you followed it up with your credit card having fallen out of your wallet being in the car. Why? The system is working perfectly. It's not working I haven't all. lost any cards. Have I? Temporarily. Majordomo. Can I quote you from, uh, from yes. uh, the Oxford Dictionary? The chief steward of a large household. I twice left a message, once with Pippet and once with her majordomo, asking him to ring back. Who's the majordomo in this house? It's the chief steward? The chief steward. What's a steward? Define steward. I can't because our internet's out. That's true. But uh, anyway, I stick by both my choice of wallet and my choice of majordomo. This is not a drive-through story, but a drive-up story. I guess it, it, it's a good segue from the Necker story because it involves a parking lot. But yesterday, you sent me to the post office for, among other things, I should say, to finally send out swag. Yes. People should be disappointed within a matter of days with, yes. with what they've received. With the exception of our contest winner in Jefferson City, Missouri, that has to go to, like, the UPS store or something. That's swag plus. That needs wrapping. Yeah, yeah. Bubble wrapping, Bubble even, wrapping, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I, so I was at the post office and the parking lot's under construction there. So I was parking is tight and I had to squeeze into the, the first space closest to the door, which is not the handicapped parking. That's a, a, a different space entirely. Um, but there was a car next to me. There are two cars next to me and 
the one space closest to the door happened to be the one available, so I pulled into that. Just as I was getting out of the car with the mail that had to be posted, an older gentleman came out of the post office and uh, leaned on my car door, my driver's side car door, to, to remove a pebble from his shoe, to tie a shoe. I'm not sure what he was doing, but he was leaning on the door and fussing with his shoe, which was out of my vision. And, uh, and when he was finished doing that, and I was then preparing to push the door open, he beat me to it, and he pulled the door open and proceeded to get into my car. While but you before were still. He, while I was still in it, before he could sit on my lap, he said, oh, and this is the bit I liked, wrong car. But at first, my ears heard it as, I was in the wrong car. Even though you had just pulled in. Even though I just pulled in and was trying to get out of my car. Did he laugh? Or he did not. He, he, he did it at least twice yesterday and again today. <laughs> I'm sure you and I are not that far away from no, trying I, to get in the I, wrong car. I think I've said on the podcast, I did that last year at Cumberland Farms. I came out of one and saw a car of the same color as mine, but not even the same uh, brand. And pulled the door open, and there was an elderly lady sitting in the driver's seat who, or in the shotgun seat, and she sprayed me with mace, and we were on our way. The same Cumby, by the way, where the, the not our usual Cumby, but the same Cumby where the lady uh, asked if she could go ahead of me because she was busy. This coming Sunday, not only is it Father's Day, it, it, I'm calling a game New York Liberty at LA Sparks. Um, from the home, so I won't be in LA. I'll be calling it from our house. When you say the home, a retirement home? Yes, the this home. It's the 25th anniversary game of the start of the WNBA, which of course was New York Liberty at LA Sparks. Um, I played in that game. One of, one of my fondest memories is after we played that game, it was a mid-afternoon game. I remember the day before meeting with um, the NBC announcers, meeting with Ann Myers-Drysdale. I believe Tom Hammond was on play-by-play for that game. Played the game, an afternoon game. And then I remember that night at the Ritz-Carlton, both our team and the Sparks were there outside at the Ritz-Carlton pool, schmoozing with us WNBA sponsors. And... Um, I think I somebody I think Teresa Weatherspoon may have said a few words and then Lisa Leslie said a few words and we won the game and I can remember Lisa like making this joke about you know we let them get this one but we're gonna get the next one or something and at the time that annoying me stuck in your craw <laughs> yeah and uh but just like 25 years ago standing around the Ritz Carlton pool with uh people from the NBA WNBA sponsors players and uh Pretty cool that we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of this coming weekend. And 25 years later, you're in a filthy basement doing a podcast. So, Or even better, I'll be like in a semi-filthy office calling a game. Who would have thought back in those days? Oh, yeah, 25 years from now, well, the games will still be on television, but they'll be called from people's living rooms. We have a house full of kids and their friends, and I have to go to a piano lesson soon, so... Um, the last one of the season, we take the summer off, mm-hmm. and then we'll resume in the fall. And so come back in the fall, see how much everybody's grown and changed, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and get your lessons going again. Yep, exactly. So, um, so you have access to viewer mail because we've been losing well, our. Well, it says today. not connected. Trying to reconnect now. So I was able to open the first one. Let's while well, it's c- coming in and out. But let's let me read the first one. I don't know if we'll be able to read any any more beyond this. <laughs> 
Take that hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your pure mail. Uh, hello, writes Deb with two B's, getting caught up on my um, me podcast. I just heard myself mention in the viewer mail where Steve said that neither I nor Rebecca would remember the refereeing in the final four that I was referring to. How dare you assume that I would forget? Fake outrage. I remember it well. I don't even remember what officiating we were talking about, but um, whatever it was, she remembers. I'm behind on podcasts and just listened to the one where someone sent you a prototype for a female jockstrap. I'm not sure why somebody would send you that unless they didn't know that there's already such a thing invented, which is called the Jill. It's worn by female hockey players. Not sure if it's worn by any other women in any other sports. Deb with two Bs. Uh, that that makes me think of not sure if it's worn by anybody else. Of the of the ancients joke, what's worn under a Scotsman's kilt? Nothing. It's all in working order. <laughs> it's coming up. We've got internet again. Uh, Stacy with a Y in Washington writes, Hello, Stephen, Rebecca. I enjoyed the viewer email regarding the mispronounced words in the PNW. I will, Pacific Northwest, I will agree the geoduck is a tricky one. I forgot how you even pronounced that one correctly, Rebecca. Fun fact, the geoduck. Gooey duck. Fun fact, the, the gooey duck, geoduck, is actually the mascot for the athletic teams at the Evergreen State College, a small liberal arts, coll- liberal arts college in Olympia, Washington. My younger son attended for a year, and as we were mask- making the obligatory trip to the bookstores for t-shirt, the bookstore for T-shirts and such, his dad, who is not from here, was very confused about the gooey duck. I think his or geo duck. I think his words were something like, "What the hell is this thing?" And you pronounce it how? I've enclosed the photo below of Speedy, the official mascot. This is Speedy, the official ma- mascot of Evergreen State College. Uh, the, G- the, the gooey duck is definitely on my list of fun mascots, right up there with the UC Santa Cruz banana slugs and the Scottsdale CC fighting artichokes. I was finally able to attend a storm game in person on Sunday. Uh, fun game until the end when Enrique drilled the three to win it. Just, Ooh, that was a great game. Just returning the favor, I guess, to Lloyd, who had done the same the game before. All the games have been so exciting. It's fun to hear Rebecca's stories of games and travel. Looking forward to more summer pods. Stacy with a Y. And this gooey duck, I have to say, is a spectacular mascot. It looks See? a little like a white Kermit the Frog. Yeah, yeah it looks it? like it looks like possibly like produce. Um, but um, you know what wasn't an exciting game? What's that? The one I called last night at nine p.m. from our house, where Chicago just took this big lead on Minnesota. Although Minnesota made it close for for a little stretch, and then um, and then Chicago blew it open again. But I've been I've been thinking today as our internet's gone out <clears throat> consistently this afternoon. I'm glad it didn't go out last night. I wouldn't. Like, I would not be calling the game. It would be Ryan and Holly by themselves. So we, right. we better hope this gets fixed it's, before Sunday, before the big 25th anniversary game. It's weird to be walking through the house at night, 10 o'clock at night, and hear you shouting about something and realizing that you're you're calling the game. Was I shouting well, about something? Well, last night I, heard, I went to the kitchen for something. I heard you from my office or your office yelling, I guessed it right. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Susie, with a Z and a Y, writes, Hi, Steve and Rebecca. I'm writing from the Hartford area. I've been listening to your entertaining podcast since I heard about it recently. I've started with the current episodes, and I'm working back through the older episodes in between until I become a completionist. I can't recall how recent this topic was, but I came upon a shotgun skeleton recently last Saturday in a parking lot. I was picking up my daughter from basketball practice at the Catholic School uh, Cafe Gymnatorium in Weathersfield, where you have coached your team in the past against my daughter's team. I encountered, Rebecca, I encountered the shotgun skeleton. If it's Weathersfield, I think that might be Corpus Christi. It might be. Well, she could have said that if she had wanted that, you to say that, but uh, oh. it could be. Could this have been the same skeleton you saw at the Bishop's Court Corner Starbucks, So we, or do we now have an epidemic of shotgun skeletons in the local area? I don't know if it's the same one, but I, I know that I've seen a different one 
at, at uh, the Simsbury Starbucks parking lot, Rebecca. You know what else I've seen since then? Because um, this was definitely a, a skeleton. Well, she's got pictures. Three-dimensional so. skeleton. No, I've yeah, also yeah. seen a that. person in their... Yes, just like that. I've seen a person in the who had on their passenger window the sticker of a skeleton. That's what I've seen. I've, I've seen that as well. Um, like Steve, I'm born and raised Midwesterner who has never encountered this phenomenon fly over a Midwest nice country previously. The skeleton was also sporting a baseball glove in its lap. Is this skeleton burned out on a long rain delay or a drawn-out and unproductive extra innings game? Not sure. Now, that is a prototypical uh, what's left of, of baseball viewers, an actual <laughs> skeleton with a baseball glove in its lap sitting through a, a six-hour game. My high school buddy and I entertain ourselves by photographing and sharing with each other the plethora of humorous, offensive, and inane bumper stickers we see on the roads while driving around our local regions. I would like formally to apply for the resident car decor and bumper sticker curator on the Ball and Chain podcast. I don't think we have a, a curator of any kind, so I absolutely. So. You've got the job. Please accept my shotgun skeleton photographs as official submissions. I can record and forward the entertaining, absurd, and fatuous musings on the wide variety of vehicles driven by your neighbors. Please do. You'd be surprised what you encounter out on the roads when you pay greater attention and document the, amu- the musings. For what it's worth, Steve may appreciate that my husband and I were longtime Backpage Russian fans during our many years of Sports Illustrated subscriptions before we knew of Rebecca's Hall of Fame achievements on the hardwood. Now we admire you both and have had the pleasure of running into Rebecca in, in the area, cafe, gymnatoriums, and at the Jimmy V fundraiser in downtown Hartford where she spoke lovingly and graciously of her mom. She's always a class act and generous with her time. Rebecca's blushing. My daughter appreciated the photo Rebecca took with her and didn't wash her hands for a few days after the end of end of game handshake good thing we weren't in a pandemic back then you're a humble applicant you've got the job Susie and devoted listener Susie with a z and a y p.s you have to admit that corpus christi you were correct rebecca has a top shelf top top shelf cafe gymnatorium in the in the uh in the area compared with some i think you would agree it's with one of the best without question. No I'm, question i'm gonna ask Susie for a favor since yes. she's listening to the podcast most recent back one thing we've never done that i've regretted us not doing is keeping a list of all of our residents. If she would be willing to also be the resident resident list keeper. Oh, I think that's way too big a job. A, it's uh, got to be somebody starting from, from day two, basically. Well, but she doesn't sound like she's that far in, and she's continuing to go back. And I think sometimes people like tasks. If well, she's willing to accept that, she can let us well, know. Well, speaking of our residents, a Matt in West Hartford, who refers to himself as perhaps, he's not being presumptuous, perhaps our resident West Hartford resident, uh, Matt, our resident West Hartford resident, he has the job, writes, A few weeks ago, you talked about young kids getting dressed early for their games. This morning, my six-year-old came downstairs at 6.15 a.m., dressed in his full baseball uniform, including his hat, and proudly announced that he got dressed all by himself because he knows that he has an early 8.30 a.m. game today. The only problem, his 8.30 a.m. game is tomorrow. Oh. 26 hours in advance. That's pretty impressive. Oh, That's but how impressive. disappointed is he going to be? I had to gently break the news to him that today is Friday. He has to go to school, and his game is not until tomorrow. But putting on the uniform more than 26 hours before the game might be a record in this house. Keep up the great work on the podcast. I'm a completionist, but I didn't discover the podcast until about episode 25, at which point I caught up quickly. Matt, uh, our now official resident, West Hartford resident. Um. Well, this is, a, this is a header that we haven't gotten before, okay? Rebecca, okay. it's from Phil, and he writes, Hello, Steve, parentheses, and Rebecca. The header, I should say, is, well, I'll, I'll tell you which part of this is the header. I'm continuing my mission to listen to all the Ball and Chain podcasts. I just finished listening to June 25th, 2020, and only have 50 or so more to catch up. I get a kick out of Steve's frequent comments on what great names for a pub might be. I just came across this brand new brewery in Elk Grove near Sacramento. I plan to visit sometime soon to get a coaster and depending on how many beers I have there, possibly a t-shirt. Uh, and uh, I'm 
also attaching a photo I just took of some, oh, oh, first. Um, and this brewing company in Elk Grove, California, Rebecca, is, you, you can, you can read, can you read it from there? <laughs> Hungry Pecker Brewing Company. Yes, yes. And, and uh, the header on this email is The Hungry Pecker. That's the header we've never gotten. The header before. we've never gotten. Yes, I'm also attaching a photo I just took of some of my personal library. These are my collection of funniest authors. Unfortunately, Steve's stack is smaller as I have loaned out my copy of Knights in White Castle. Steve, keep writing, please. I I, I will try, and uh, I'm I'm very uh, happy. Uh, he's got a stack of my books next to a stack of David Sedaris books, and you know what they have in common, Rebecca? Besides, uh, I wish I could say uh, a zillion sales and uh, and acclaim. What they have in common is uh, they're both published by Little Brown. Nice. Oh, and here's Bill Bryson next to that. And then a stack of Doonesbury's. And uh, oh, this is great. I am uh, I will have to catch up on, on Phil's reading. Finally, and then i got to go to piano, we get to uh, uh, Dr. Gary Siegel. DJ. 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 Well, I think of DJ because that was my mother would sometimes call my father DJL by well, his initials. You're, but thing, anyway. you're thinking of Dr. Gary Siegel as a disc jockey, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a club DJ. S. He should be DJ, DGS. He should. When he's when he's working, the clubs he's DJ DGS right? Mm, yes. Or possibly when he's working clubbers, he's run DGS. <laughs> Hello, Rebecca and Steve. As always, I enjoyed the recent podcast in which topics covered ranged from TSA precheck, teenage drivers, and unexpected visitors. I've been lucky enough to enjoy the podcast typically while driving or exercising, and today I enjoyed it while biking 29 miles in the pleasant Atlanta spring, 88 degrees Fahrenheit with around 50% humidity. I love that he includes Fahrenheit in there. This old doctor was a bit slower than he would have liked to have been and quite tuckered out when done. Thankfully, the podcast kept me pedaling away along with my two bottles of cold Gatorade. Um, what's interesting is he spelled pedaling P-E-D-D-L-I-N-G, which uh, makes me assume he was selling something while he was on his bike, perhaps brushes or vacuums door to door. Perhaps. So our, our pedaling peddler, Dr. Dr. Siegel writes, kudos to the youthful and athletic Rebecca who was mistaken twice for active WNBA players on her jaunt to and from Washington, D.C. The French Open on NBC this morning entertained my 90-year-old mother-in-law. It entertained me as well, uh, whose knees won't allow her to play tennis anymore. However, along with Don Russian, I did miss watching Meet the Press, which was replaced by the tennis match. Absolutely, 100%. My dad missed Meet the yes. Press. Uh all that said, the podcast did tread on thin ice when you talked about an unwelcome visitor. I want to keep this note and the podcast family-friendly, so I continue typing with cautious fingers and with the hope that I stay on thick ice. While cycling and listening concurrently, my gynecologic spidey sense began to tingle as an unwelcome visitor immediately made me think of the euphemism Aunt Flo, both of which connote, well, a menstrual period. Thank you, Dr. Siegel, for <laughs> explicating what we were euphemizing. Aunt Flo? Yeah, yeah, yes, Aunt Flo. Uh, <laughs> A bit of research with Google found a few more euphemisms of which I was not aware, which uh, with the list below limited for the sake of both brevity and good taste. Other euphemisms include, hmm, uh, hey, okay. Did we have a euphemism in a recent podcast? An unwelcome or? visitor, you must have said. I don't know what you were talking oh. about. but um, uh, And my favorite, he, he lists a few, which includes wordplay so often a huge part of Steve's writing, the Russians have arrived. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's R-U-S-S-I-A-N. Right. Once you revealed not only the true nature of the unwelcome visitor, but also your solution, which involved the use of a Ziploc baggie, I could, ooh, uh, oh. Uh, that unwelcome, oh, yes. Mm, no, that was. Uh, no, we, we said, of course, somebody had, yes, must yeah, have been a visitor who you had used. Oh, that, yeah, that, an actual unwelcome visitor. Yes. Yes, yes, I see. 
I can hardly continue writing as I marveled at Steve's innovative approach, his courage, his ability to throw heavy objects, and perhaps most importantly, Rebecca's more conventional solution to the problem, which has been my modus operandi when faced with similar situations. So congratulations uh, to your oldest daughter getting her driver's license while losing not a touch of her teenage mentality, since she not only may have become uh, tired of driving after one week, but also leaves the gas tank on empty while expecting dad to fill up the car before she uses it next. All of that true, all of that remains true. All the best, Gary. Thank you as ever, Dr. Dr. Siegel, and thanks to all our listeners. I'm going to be a little bit late for piano, so i got to run. Uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Play on, us out. And on behalf of young master Denny Gallagher. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane